This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle. Get in on the conversation at 866-979-ESPN. Now here's your host, the professor, John Clayton. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Irish Mankey. Irish Mankey, how are you? Hello, Mr. Clayton. How's it going? Fantastic. And you and Mrs. Clayton, I hope, have a super day. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. I I appreciate, really do, your uh, uh, spotlight on on just your your personal life Mm -hmm. and, and your relationship with your wife. You're a saint, Mr. Clayton. Truly, truly a good man. Appreciate that. And quite honestly, very few people, very few people, it seems, in these times, in this era, uh, uh, have that understanding of what commitment is to somebody and some someone that you love, you know? Mm-hmm. Divorce rates are off the charts. This, but you're, you're a great man, Mr. Clayton. Well, isn't that what you signed up for? Yeah, well, it was for me with my mother for 10 yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same sort of thing, you know. Uh, so, yeah, but like I said, not many people uh, understand the, the truth in life, and that's family. And mm-hmm. and, and they're cu- they do come, number one, Mr. Clayton. Yep. So, try, to, try to do the best I can to take care of her. I, you're, like I said, you're a saint. You, you do what so many people don't do or won't do, you know. Mm-hmm. It's so much easier, I guess, to warehouse the, uh, the loved ones than it is to take care of the loved ones. Mm-hmm. So, Mr. Clayton, yeah. uh, enough of that. It's getting teary here. Um, so, big, big game today. You know, I look forward to, throughout the years of my, my Notre Dame, following Notre Dame, uh, I've always uh, loved the Notre Dame-Navy game. For what it stands for, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like you and, and uh, many others, the understanding of what commitment is, you know. Right. And, and in this case, there are many people who, who may not know, the, you know, the question is always, why does Notre Dame play Navy? They always beat them. Because Notre Dame will always play Navy for what Navy did for Notre Dame. And during World War II, the university literally was getting ready to lock up its doors and go out of business because the the war had taken all all the young men and women away, and it was the Department of Defense and Navy who came in and and sent their uh, young recruits uh, to college at Notre Dame, their officers and stuff, mm-hmm. and basically kept the doors open for the University of Notre Dame. And, and the rest is history. Uh, Notre Dame will, other than I think the last year because of the COVID thing, uh, they will always, there are two games that they never will cancel and haven't historically, USC and Navy. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's not about the score of the game today. As a matter of fact, Navy has beaten the Irish recently because they're so great. Those guys, those young men, our future uh, military leaders, um, who, and sadly, some of them will, 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 will die in service to this country. And so, anyway, enough about that. Yeah. Great game today, Mr. Clayton. And one last question. Yeah. Um, you know, I just, they've been airing quite a lot. Uh, Caesar's Palace uh, wants everybody to uh, get an app for their sports book. Mm-hmm. 
And, of course, the NFL logo is prominent in the ad. So what a change, huh, in, yeah. in the NFL from uh, it's a sin to gamble to a team in the Raiders in Vegas and now sports books are, are, are promoting NFL games and, and gambling and, you know, um, fantasy football, a form of gambling right. off the books, you know. Quite a historical change, isn't it? It really is. I mean, and, and of course, I still remember one of the things I think sort of turn things is that Jerry Jones was over with the Cowboys in a game in London. And so he went to Wembley Stadium, and right outside the stadium, there was, uh, you know, a, a place to uh, place bets book. and gamble. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, uh, he says, hmm, this is interesting. And naturally, Jerry carries a lot of clout in the league, and I think it's it was wise to be able to, you know, take advantage of the money. You can see that the country right now is very big on this, and you can see the money's just going to roll in big time, you know, with the casinos and everything else. Hey, Thank you for the phone call. Oh, thank you, Mr. Clayton. God bless you. Thank you. Let's go to Jet. Jet, how are you? Uh, well, that's a tough uh, phone call to follow up. I know it is. The yeah. last couple of months. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, uh, how you doing, John? Hanging in there. Yeah, well, that's good. Um, we are trying to hang in, too, here I know. in uh, New York. And uh, it's getting particularly difficult week by week, but... Uh, we're just watching the kids go out there play in the sandbox, and mm-hmm. uh, sometimes they have better days than other days. Yeah, yeah. So what's, uh, your, what's your thoughts on the Mike White situation? Well, uh, I've been a little disconnected. Uh, didn't see the uh, Patriots game. Some parts of the Cincinnati game, and unfortunately saw a bunch yeah. of uh, Thursday's game. And here's my take, John. Uh um, I think that there's some good things that are coming about this. Not necessarily Mike White, but I think what we're seeing is is that if things aren't as dire as they may actually appear, because the Jets are moving the ball. All of a sudden, they're moving the ball. Uh, all of a sudden, the system seems to be working. All of a sudden, we're starting to develop playmakers. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, things are starting to click offensively that just were not clicking before. And I think it uh, kind of bodes towards the, the premise that uh, Zach Wilson just isn't ready for prime time. And I'm hoping that these weeks off are going to give him some perspective uh, watching how an offense can work and that you don't need to be Patrick Mahomes. And uh, I think the Jets are developing an offensive system uh, that, that is slowly coming together and uh, slowly uh, developing. Um so I think that's that's a pretty good takeaway, uh, and I think we're seeing some playmakers. I mean, you gotta like Michael Carter, you gotta like Elijah Moore. They're just improving week by week. The offensive line, yeah, it's uh, it's it's improving. Um, I don't know if they're going to steamroll anybody, but uh, uh, we need. Uh, it, it'd be nice if Beckton was back in some experience, and, but it's fun watching uh, Vera Tucker improve week to week, and he's actually turning into a decent player um and he's improving step by step and that's a good sign uh, on the other side of the ball oh and i also think that lafleur is growing a little bit as an offensive coordinator i think going up in the booth a couple weeks ago has made a big difference for him um i think he's seeing the field a little better and uh doesn't have to sit there and, and babysit zach wilson i think those are good things 
On defense, however, oh, man, um, you know, they basically played without linebackers against the Patriots. Mm-hmm. I mean, they literally had no middle level. Uh, they had guys literally off the streets uh, playing there. They started the game with a rookie safety as the middle linebacker calling the signals. I mean, and uh, all they did was pick apart the middle of the, 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 off, the defense, much like uh, Atlanta did. Um, what's concerning to me is on defense, and, of course, they're just suffering injuries left and right. Marcus May has just another huge blow. Oh, huge. Uh, let's, let, let's, let's face it. I feel bad for the guy, too, despite the fact he covered up a whole DUI while he was trying to negotiate a long-term contract. You feel bad for these guys. I mean, he did gamble on himself, and uh, that's the price you pay, and, and it uh, sometimes it doesn't work out, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. That's why you never begrudge these guys the money they get when they can get it. But the thing that troubles me on defense is two things. First off, they kept running off tackle. Uh, much and It reminded me of that San Francisco game last year when Mostert took off uh, to the right side, the game that Bosa got hurt, and ran for like 70-some yards. It was the same exact play as they were running both to the left and to the right consistently against the Jets uh, on Thursday. And, you know, you're just watching these guys. Nobody's setting an edge. Uh, the defensive backs are getting caught up in the wash. Ashton Davis just keeps it out, getting out of position, and uh, we're just watching the same play over and over. And what troubles me, much like with the Atlanta game, is they're doing the same thing over and over and over, and they can't find a way to stop it. They can't make adjustments. And i I got to hang a lot of that on the coaching. Now, I don't know what happened if these guys were tired, if they didn't show up. I I, I don't know if there's too much hubris. I don't know what happened on Thursday, but – I'm sensing that's part of a problem that they're experiencing on defense. Um, and in addition, they're, they're short on manpower. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I think there's some bright spots emerging. Um, and we knew this was going to be an ugly season. It's going to be a roller coaster ride. They seem to match up better against certain teams than other teams. I also think Tennessee and Cincinnati were trap games and that played to the Jets benefit. Um, but uh, overall, we're starting to see some positives emerge. There are still clearly a lot of negatives, but uh, this is what we expected. And incremental improvement is all we're asking for. What's mm-hmm. your take on it? Yeah, I would agree. I mean, again, it's just like it's such a talent deficit. You can see things are getting better. I mean, the receivers are starting to come on. That's encouraging. We'll see if Leonard Tardif Tournay can help them out on the offensive line. Now, he's not going to play this week, but maybe that experience there can help them out a little bit. You know, but you're right on the defense, and that you know the defense to me has been the biggest concern the last couple of years. I mean, we've talked about it, and I think we both agree. You know, they should have been a four-three defense a couple of years ago because they had more defensive linemen than they did linebackers. Now they basically, as you said, don't have any linebackers. Now you look at the safeties, and that's a bad position. They have, they've obviously left themselves short at cornerback. So what do they have on defense that can stop anybody? Well, that's a problem, and uh, I tell you, you take Mosley out of the equation, and they, as, as we saw, mm-hmm. and they're just absolutely sunk because these guys don't even know where they're lining up, right? Where they're supposed to line up. I mean, you see them just running around like chickens with their head cut off, trying to make adjustments mm-hmm. before the snap, and and these guys, I think that's part of the problem is a lot of these guys aren't lining up in the right spot to start with, so they're vulnerable just just before the the ball is snapped, right? Um. I did think that uh, Mosley and Davis played pretty well in that uh, Cincinnati game. So it'll be nice to have a couple of veterans, and let's see if we can develop some consistency there. 
But the real problem is, and they haven't been having too much of a problem at cornerback, to be honest with you. Those kids have been holding up pretty well. The real problem is going to be, John, now we've lost LaMarcus Joyner in preseason, now Marcus May. Uh-huh. You're playing a bunch of kids at safety. And it's one thing having kids at the corners. It's another thing having kids at safety. And that's a huge problem. Um, and I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's going to be an ugly ride the rest of the way. Uh, and I don't know how much they're going to be able to scheme up. But, um, yeah. uh, it, you know, there are some good signs, though. Uh, some of the kids are coming on. I mean, both Michael Carters are playing well. Uh, Elijah Moore's looking good. Vera Tucker's look is improving. These kids are improving, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's what you want to see. So I think Joe Douglas had a pretty good draft this year. I agree. And you asked about the Mike White situation. Well, you know, you get a guy that knows how to run an offense, and the offense can run. Um, and hopefully Zach Wilson is sitting there watching and learning, and I think this is a good thing for him to sit back, watch, and learn. Obviously, I don't think Mike White is the future of the Jets, but um, – you know, uh, he may develop trade value. Who knows? But, hey, if he's winning, let him run. Let mm-hmm. him play. You know, Zach can sit back and learn more and more. Uh, but um, hopefully he's getting the message while he's he's sitting there. Yeah, um, no doubt. But it's interesting. It, it's nice to see that, you know, all is not lost on offense. The, 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 the things are starting to happen. Things are starting to click. And, you know, they've, they've done pretty well against some pretty good defenses. I mm-hmm. mean, the Bengals' defense, the Colts' defense aren't poor. No, um, no, agreed. You know, and they move the ball pretty much with ease. So uh, uh, I think we're seeing some playmakers. I think we're seeing a system developing. And uh, let's get Becton back. Uh, let's get rid of Van Rotten. Yeah. And yeah. that's why I really I really like that pickup by Douglas. And I think this is an audition because, uh, you know, he, he waived his no-trade clause. So I'm thinking this is an audition for for next year. Yeah, yeah. So uh, and that'd be a great pickup if uh, if it pans out. If you still got some gas left in the tank, because uh, man, Van Rotten is just you know rotten. Mm-hmm. Hey, well, Jet, you take care of yourself, your family, get through these tough situations, and uh, go Jets. Well, you know, um, uh, something's got to get better. Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> No doubt. I guess it can always, I can always get worse, but yeah. uh, you know, sometimes you just got to scratch your head and say, "Really?" Mm-hmm. Anyway, hey. take care, Johnny. Good luck with your situation, and okay. uh, we'll be back home soon. All right, sounds good. Eight six six nine seven nine ESPN two zero six four two one ESPN. Greg Bell joining us at the bottom of the hour. John Clayton Show seven ten ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. Yeah, big decision day for the Green Bay Packers. they got to decide today if David Bakhtiari, their left tackle, is going to be able to play tomorrow or not. They do know that Devontae Adams is going to be uh, activated from the COVID-19 list, and so he should be available to play. So in the end, it's like, okay, so uh, the big thing is they don't have Aaron Rodgers. And with the Aaron Rodgers situation with no no vaccination and the fact that, uh, you know, he's mumbling a whole bunch of ridiculous words about that and trying to. In fact, the thing that irritated me the most about yesterday's uh, conversation that he had with Barstool for an hour is that he made it sound like he was the victim. Because that's what he, he made it sound. It's like, well, yeah, because everybody's criticizing me here, here, here. It's like, well, yeah, but you're the one that made the mistake. You didn't get the vaccination. Now, again, it's his decision 
but he's the leader of the team. He's one of the leaders in the National Football League. And don't you think a vaccination, whether it's Johnson and Johnson or whatever, is going to be worth it just to settle some things down? I mean, because now he puts the team in a position where they're going to lose most likely to the Kansas City Chiefs. If there's a little bit of a setback on his COVID-19 recovery, he could miss the Seattle game. And it's a really bad situation. And he's the one who did it. And yet now he goes about saying, well, you know, it's like uh, people were having wrong information about, you know, what was which was going on with me because it was an immunization and everything else. Well, the immunization was a disguise, a disguise in the sense that it's like, hey, I want to say I'm immunized and everything's OK. Well, he still didn't get the vaccination. It's a simple thing. You have the vaccination. You don't have the vaccination. If you don't have the vaccination, then you pay a price. And so because of that, you put all that together and it's like, uh, you know, I, I just shake my head at what you hear from Aaron Rodgers. In this. And I like Aaron Rodgers. I know my wife, Pat, doesn't. I like him a lot, but I am not respecting him in the way he's handling things in this. I think it's a real bad thing. Well, one real good thing is that Greg Bell from the Tacoma News Tribune will be joining us next. We'll talk Seahawks, NFL, you name it. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. 866-979-ESPN-206-421. ESPN joining us from the News Tribune is Greg Bell. So, Greg, have you enjoyed this bye week? I mean, a chance where you don't have a game this week and no practices, very few practices to at least think about and all that stuff. How's this bye week been for you? Uh, Hi, John. Good morning. I I am. I'm actually on my way to Lacey to see my son play a college soccer game at St. Martin's University. And Yeah, I'm not going to an airport on a Saturday and I get to spend Friday night with my wife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's what other people do on weekends, I guess. Yeah, I know. It's it's so strange. <laughs> like, I, I know tomorrow is going to be so different because, uh, you know, not, uh, you know, just you know, watching football all day, you know, because uh, there's no uh, sideline stuff that I have to do, no no 1110 uh, segment to, to, to do on, uh, you know, on the broadcast and all that stuff. Uh, the only thing I have to do is just gather for the Washington Post and get ready to get something ready for Monday. So you still watch football, John? See, I, on my bye week on Sunday, I get away. We're probably going to go hiking in the rain up in the woods with the mm-hmm. dog and just <laughs> ignore football for a day. Because <laughs> I figured we get enough of it. I'm get a weekend offer. I can see you dedicated to the task and. I can watch football all day. Well, yeah, but also remember, too, it's like I've got to write a 1,500-word column on Monday for the Washington. You could do that in your sleep, of course. Yeah, I could. But, just... yeah. <laughs> no, I... So, let's put it this way. I know on Monday sometimes I do because, again, it's like uh, – <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and you know what it is to as as a beat writer, and I know what it is, you know, doing the stuff I do. But I mean, you know, my, Mondays are brutal for me. For Mondays, yeah, yeah, it's because again, Coast, I got that's as an East Coast Sunday night or Monday night game. Yeah, four a.m. Yeah. East Coast time for a flight home. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, and, and again, it's like I, I, it seems like you've been pretty lucky. I don't know if you've had any real problems, you know, with delays and cancellations and things like that. But I know a lot of other people have. No, this this knock on wood this season so far, and even we're getting Green Bay next week yeah. before the weather should be too bad. When usually we drive, I drive from Chicago to Green Bay. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I always did. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you did that in Jan- We've done that in January for playoff games, and it's 
little trickier then than it will be next week, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, what's your thoughts? Having um, I, I don't know if you watched the I didn't see it, but it's like the uh, Russell Wilson video of him throwing. How do you think he threw? And do you think he's going to be available for the Green Bay game? Well, first I do. The fact that he's throwing 12 days before the game and doesn't have anything game planning or practicing wise until then, or no game until then, I think he is going to play. The He was throwing with a glove on, which makes me think he probably will throw with a glove on. He was protecting that area of the finger that the pin had been removed on. Pete Carroll had said the doctors told the Seahawks when the pin gets removed, it was probably going to be a couple days, in his words, before he could throw so that the hole could heal. The fact that he was thrown the next day, and of course Russell Wilson's ahead of schedule yeah. in a recovery, no, no surprise there. But by all looks of it, he was throwing about eight, ten-yard passes indoors to his performance team there. But the fact he had a glove on, it showed that he was having ways of dealing with it. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they go almost all shotgun in Green Bay so that he doesn't have to take a direct snap from center that would slap that hand. Uh, but so what, right? Yeah. You take all shotgun and 90% of Russell Wilson over any other quarterback in the league right now for them. Oh, no doubt. Uh, yeah, because obviously there's a drop-off when you go from – big drop-off when you go from Russell Wilson to Geno Smith. Now, Geno's not, I think, a really decent job, and, you know, most of the time that he's played, he had one bad game. But, uh, you know, you, you can't expect that uh, you're going to see the same type of performance that you would get out of a future Hall of Fame quarterback. And I don't know if you, I don't know if you agree with me. I mean, I'm a Hall of Fame voter, but I have to – I mean, do you, do you think Russell can make the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Because I do. Uh, you would know better than I, but I, I would think that second Super Bowl title that eluded him at the one-yard line, two Super Bowl titles, and then all the Pro Bowls and the contracts and the records, that that would have cinched it, even though it was early in his career. I would think, to be sure, he would need another Super Bowl title. But like I said, you know better than I. He has been part of the vanguard to transcend the position. I think you could say that. Uh-huh. that the quarterback position, the athleticism, the escapability, extending plays, he was on the leading edge of that trend in the league. Uh, and for that, it, that goes even beyond the stats and the championships and what he's done in Seattle. Mm-hmm, no doubt. And, of course, I mean, you know, such a good leader. The fact that he had, until this most recent stretch of two games, you know, he had never missed a game. I mean, he's been, you know, what he gets one of the fastest to get, one of the fastest to get to 100 wins. You know, certainly the comeback victories in the fourth quarter. I mean, you put all together, that's all pretty impressive. Why they pay him 140 million dollars, right? Yeah, <laughs> we're yeah. seeing. They are seeing what happens when he doesn't is not the quarterback for them, which will give them a thought of hearing the contracts that come up in a couple years. Uh, I, no, absolutely. It, for years now, because of their problems in the offensive line, the post legion of boot defense that has struggled to be consistent, they would be the middling or below middling in the NFL without Russell Wilson the last five years. Yeah. And I know they haven't gotten past the divisional round of the playoffs, but they wouldn't even have made the playoffs without him. They, just the sacks that he avoids each game. I, I usually keep a tally of, okay, a normal quarterback would have been sacked on this play. And he would get sacked 10, 12 times a game the last four or five years. And even some this year behind that offensive line, it, it's why they have to run the ball so much. And I don't know if Pete Carroll articulates that as much as he doesn't want to throw his offensive line under the bus, and they all think that Carroll is just this antiquated 1940s leather helmet guy that wants to run the ball. Deep down, he knows they have to run the ball to give their offensive line a chance to protect anywhere 
close to letting Russell Wilson throw the ball. Geno Smith has learned that the hard way here the last three weeks. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the one thing, I mean, with the uh, new offense, the new Rams 49er-type offense, he has been able to cut down his uh, you know, throwing time. Because I know last year, for example, because he's always scrambling to try to you know, get that extra throw and get the extra play, it was 2.9 seconds. And I, I, I have to go back and look at next-gen stats. But I think it's down to like 2.66, which is a big drop. It had, that, that was the, one of the main reasons Shane Waldron's here to get the ball out of the quarterback's hand more quickly, the, the receiver's patterns to be quicker and shorter. E.K. Metcalf is running a lot shorter routes in general. I mean, they still want to take the shots down the field, mm-hmm. of course, which is why I think Odell Beckham Jr. might be in play. We can talk about that as well. Mm-hmm. But that, That's our, that's our next wanna, topic, by the way. Yeah, I figured. I didn't think you'd let that go. Uh, I, it, they haven't, though, been able to play the full depth and breadth of their offense. What I saw in training camp every day in practices and you were out there sometimes as well. What we saw, John, hasn't happened really since the Indianapolis game. And even the Indianapolis game, there was only two carries for E. Eskridge in the fly sweep before he got the concussion. D. Eskridge had an entire section of the playbook going to be just him this year. They had a ton of plays dedicated to the rookie wide receiver because of his speed, not just fly sweeps, but in the slot, uh, even outside with pass routes, and big dong drag routes like Cooper Cup type of stuff was just for the Eskridge, and they haven't had that at all. And he's still not back from the, in the getting hurt in the opener. They haven't used the tight ends as much. They've used Gerald Everett at times, and they've even had him on fly sweeps and end arounds himself. But they haven't used Disley and and uh, Gerald Everett and multiple tight ends outside as X receivers. Chris Carson split out as wide receiver. And most of all, they haven't had Carson as the featured back to, upon which the offense is supposed to be based. This is supposed to be a return to the run and a return to the base of the running game. And other than a stretch in Pittsburgh when they in the third quarter when they just came out and said, we're running 9 of 11 points, they haven't really consistently throughout a game had the running game that is supposed to be the basis for this entire offense. So, I mean, I guess you can look at that two ways, John. One is they're 3-5 and five because they haven't done that, but they're 3-5 and five with only one game out of a playoff spot without Russell Wilson, without Chris Carson, and without this offense fully functioning which I guess could give him some optimism on that side of it. Yeah. So now where do you stand on the Odell Beckham thing? Because I'm pretty much against it. I mean, because, again, it's like the, the two names have been brought up here in the last couple of weeks. You know, it's like, well, sign Cam Newton. Well, to my way of thinking, Cam Newton's too beat up, not accurate, and doesn't fit in this particular offense. Uh, you can answer that one. But also, with Odell Beckham Jr., my concern is you know, not throwing the ball as much as they can, not having as many plays uh, as they have, you know, because there, there's not a lot of plays they have on offense. I think they're among the lowest in the league as far as that goes. It's like, you know, he's going to be the third receiver, and what's the best he's going to get? Three to four to five targets a game? Do you think that Odell no. Beckham Jr. is not going to have problems with that and complain and be a pain? Because I look at Odell Beckham Jr. as being, you know, what will be a cheaper version of uh, Percy Harvin, and you know what a pain he was for both the current, the, the receiving group back then and for the team. Well, yeah, I don't know if there's any evidence that he is the locker room distraction that Percy Harvin ended up proving to be. But you're right. He wants featured status and he gets featured money here, prorated, what, seven and six point seven point six five million. The reason why I bring it up, John, yes, you're right. Every time there's a free agent available or someone on waivers, anyone of star status, 
Seahawks fans go crazy. Oh, we got to sign him. We got to claim him. They got to. And most of the time, it makes no sense. The Cam Newton thing absolutely makes no sense. Why would Newton come out here to fill in until Russell Wilson comes back? And then Wilson has a Cam Newton mm-hmm. persona and personality of former number one pick and MVP in the locker room with him now. But what Beckham, how that makes sense is, first of all, they're ninth in the, as everyone knows, they're ninth in the waiver pecking order. Really, only Philadelphia is a team that can harbor any realistic hope of getting to the playoffs, and they're one spot above them. They're one of the only teams with the cap space that can take on $8 million in the, in the middle of November. So there's really only one team that's realistically going to possibly claim him above Seattle. That makes it possible. Of course, the Seahawks have the cap space. If they want to do it, they're up north of $13 million. And they have the history of wanting that type of marquee downfield receiver. Of course, that's why they went with Josh Gordon and stuck with him throughout the suspension. It's why they pursued or looked at Antonio Brown before the Patriots snapped him up and then the Buccaneers snapped him up quickly again. The Seahawks and Pete Carroll wanted him twice. Beckham has worked out as as the people around Russell Wilson have been flashing on social media pictures of Beckham and Wilson at UCLA in summers past. So there's something of a relationship there. They just like that third option to go with. It's not a priority, for sure. I mean, they got problems with the running back depth and stopping the run, and the cornerback play has been so inconsistent, benching players left and right. They haven't gotten a consistent pass rush. Center has they didn't upgrade center. This is not a priority. This would be a luxury, but it's one they will pursue. And if it falls to them at, at the ninth pick and he hasn't been claimed, I, I could see them doing it. I really could. A lot of times I laugh at these speculations, but this one actually makes sense for me. Yeah, but I, I think it make what makes better sense is to go for Deshaun Jackson because he's not going to be yeah. a distraction. Okay, you know, he's like he's still fast. He can get downfield. I mean, he went to the Rams, even though it didn't work out, you know, as accepting the ability to be the third receiver because he's not going to be number one. He's not going to be number two. And so I and, you know, he knows that Pete Carroll tried to recruit him at USC. Uh, He ended up going to Cal. I I think. uh, And of course, now he has, you know, at least been on the West Coast for this whole season, except until he was got cut by the Rams, I think Deshaun Jackson makes a little more sense, even though he's not the player Odell Beckham is. And yes, and he would cost less. And you're right. He probably wouldn't mind five or six targets or four targets a game. Jamal Adams wouldn't have to cover him on a deep post route down in Inglewood next month when they have to play him. (laughs) That might save him a 45 yard game. You're right. That makes more sense. It's just not the splash that people want to speculate about. And they love to be in on the Odell Beckham speculation, but uh, they don't need to upgrade there. But when they do have people, they didn't need Antonio Brown when they were pursuing him. They really didn't need Josh Gordon when they were getting, they'd end up signing him in the middle of the season when they claimed him off waivers from New England. If this reminds me of that, but I'm with you. There are other better fit, and there's certainly better positions they could be addressing. Mm-hmm. Uh, center, for instance, I mean, we could go on and on about how they just did not upgrade and even look at center and, and just said, we're going to roll with Kyle Fuller as the new starting center. It hasn't worked. They benched him last week, and then Ethan Posick is the starter from last year who's now starting again. So part of their offensive line issues, the fact they didn't even look at center, but uh, this is where they are in the middle of the season. They're not going to get a new center, so they go and, and potentially kick the tires on wide receivers like Jackson or Odell Beckham. We'll see. Yeah, no doubt. It's like a yeah, you know, but they, you know, I do think that uh, 
you know, because again, with the way I look at this, uh, obviously, if they lose to Green Bay at three and six, it's going to be tough, but it's still not impossible. And the reason I say it's not impossible because they have four very winnable games. I mean, Chicago, Detroit, Washington, who's been a big drop off this year. Uh, they've got Houston. Okay, so that can get them to seven. And so uh, we'll see what happens with Green Bay. But you know, if there's a way, can you see a way in the final four games in the AFC West or NFC West that they can go two and two? Not the way they've been playing, John. I, their defense just has to be better. Yeah. I mean, Kyle Murray and, and Matthew Stafford will will just carve them up if they don't have pressure on the quarterback. And not stopping the run is crippling. Yeah. Offense, Sean McVay can do anything he wants. Kingsbury can do anything he wants if they're running the ball. And and that's, you know, we talk so much about the pass rush and the cornerbacks and benching and trading withers. But fundamentally, the problem is not stopping the run. Because then you cannot make teams one-dimensional, and, and you have to cover and guard everything. But if you can take the run away, of course, then you can see off from the quarterback. That's the name of every game. You ask Bobby Wagner before any game, and it doesn't matter if they're playing the Jets or the 1967 Green Bay Packers. He always says we have to stop the run and make them one-dimensional because he knows that makes their defense so much better to not have to defend the entire field and the entire playbook. And, that has been as big of a problem with that. Even when they go bare front with three over the center and guards, five defensive linemen, they've been unable to consistently stop the run. It's what, 31st in the league still against the run. I'm not saying it won't happen. And you're right. The NFC has not run away from them. There's only six winning teams and seven half the next playoffs. And remarkably, Seattle's only a one game out of the, of the playoff race right now. But they do have to rapidly improve on defense and stopping the run fundamentally inside the division to, to win those games. Yeah, agreed. Hey, so uh, good luck at the uh, your son's football game tonight. Good luck going in the rain and uh, hiking yeah. tomorrow. <laughs> uh, I think I'm just going to stay in the house, and I think I'll watch football and take naps. <laughs> That's not a bad plan. That sounds like a great plan for any Sunday. I know. John, I got to ask you. Yeah. First of all, the fiasco, but do you think he plays next week? No, who's uh, Aaron? I can't yeah. guarantee it because, again, it's like, uh, you know, he, uh, he, he gets on the field on sa- Saturday before the game, but what if there's a setback? I mean, right. I, I, so and many I, variables. Yeah, because, I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example because, you know, you know how stupid I am. I mean, I chart everything, right? And so, like, for example, <laughs> I, I keep track of every player that's been on the COVID-19 list, which includes 25 members of the Arizona Cardinals. And, uh, you know, I've kept track of every one of them. And it's like, for, so, for example, you know, if you test positive and you, you didn't have vaccinations or whatever, you're pretty much going to miss 10 days. But, like, for example, I, I don't know if he was vaccinated or not, but Chandler Jones and Corey Peters of the Arizona Cardinals both, both tested positive right around the, so, the same time, and they missed 12 days. And so it's like, uh, you know, there there can be symptoms and you'd have to figure with Aaron because, you know, I know that, you know, he talked through with Barstool and said all these the stupid things that he said yesterday, but uh, <laughs> which was really dumb. But again, it's, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I mean, he, he went out and was caught at parties, which you're not allowed to do if you're unvaccinated. Um, my guess is they're going to find some violations in the building with him neither not wearing a mask. I, I still can't understand how he gets to fly with the team because isn't one of the protocols if you're unvaccinated, you have to fly separate? 
Well, you have to wear a mask and, and be separated from communities, yeah. but I don't think there's a, a requirement that you have to okay. be on a different plane. Yeah. Uh, well, there was earlier, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. But yes, they'd have, you're supposed to, letter of the law, you're supposed to be sending in your surveillance videos of your team facility to NFL headquarters yeah. every week for them to review. And when cases come up with this, the NFL is supposed to review and say, oh, did, did Rodgers have a mask on here? Did he mm-hmm. have it here? Mm-hmm. The Raiders have gotten caught of that and other teams as well. Yeah, there's so many variables. You're right, John. And who knows what can happen between now and then. My, my question is, when does he have to test? Does he test at the end of day 10 and then have to have consecutive tests within 24 hours? Because now you're in day 11 and day 12 and you're past game day. It's unclear to me the NFL protocol of when a unvaccinated player has to begin his two days. Yeah, I, I, my, my guess is... Uh, he, he can't. He, he should play on 11. Yeah, he he can't test every day because he can't be in the facility for 10 days. Exactly. And, and then, of course, right. one of the things that came out this morning, which I know you didn't see because you've been driving, is that you know he, he for the next 90 days after he gets back on the field, he only has to be tested one time a week, one time a week, not every day. So that's kind of uh, weird. So it's like, yeah, they they keep changing things and we keep following. Hey, Greg, again, thank you so much. This was great. Thanks, John. Have a good weekend. Enjoy okay. your time. Okay, thank you. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. Let's go to Ed in Denver. Hey, Ed, how are you? Hi, JT. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday um, to you. Doing well. Thank you dealing with a neuropathy in my arm that I'm going to have to have surgery on. Oh, no. Secondary to a bicycling accident where I ruptured my biceps tendon. Oh, no. And then the complication of the surgery got the uh, neuropathy. And interestingly, uh, surgery will be done here in Colorado. I've also consulted with the Curl and Job group of uh, orthopedists that uh, saw Russell Wilson, just coincidental, a colleague of mine recommended uh-huh. them as well, but... Anyway, that's where I am, where I am. Uh, lots of medical things going on. Um, the COVID-19 discussion continues and could continue during our entire talk here. Um, uh, I myself have had COVID, taking care of patients with COVID, and uh, part of a team that studies COVID myocarditis. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting that JB mentioned myocarditis, myocarditis in his uh, discussion with you. It is a real phenomenon, although fairly rare, but uh, the Aaron Rodgers uh, business is just ridiculous. Uh, I didn't realize that he was unvaccinated, but now that we see that, uh, I don't know, I guess I'm not surprised. Um, he thinks he's a bionic man or something, and uh, I realized looking at it retrospectively that there are a lot of times that he's seen on sidelines constantly, unmasked, and, uh, yeah, uh, very interesting. Uh, a lot of really silly comments that he made, as you already emphasized. So I like your little discussion you had on that subject itself. Yeah, because, again, it's like, uh, and even yesterday with the one hour he spent, and think about this. Here you are, you're, you've got COVID-19, you've got uh, 10 days that you're going to be out, and uh, the time, the minute they were starting practice, that he missed. I mean, he calls. I mean, he gets a call from Barstool and gives him a one-hour interview, and he says all these stupid things. You know, like for example, yeah, well, people kept on. I mean, and he made it sound like he was the victim. 
It's like, yeah, he's the one that caused the problem by not getting the vaccination. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, many additional good points have been made about him exposing other teammates, and mm-hmm. particularly older coaches. Uh, you know, how disastrous would that be if one of them, God forbid, um, well, some of them had COVID, but if someone gets really sick and even have life-threatening COVID. Uh, I'd like to be able to stop talking about COVID, but here in Colorado, it's really uh, uh, amazingly going, uh, I don't want to say wild, but it's yeah. very prominent here in the say that one in 51 Coloradans is, uh, are um, contagious with COVID-19 right now. Wow. And we have the fifth highest transmission rate in the country. And why that is, is completely unclear. Of lots of mysteries about COVID nineteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what is it? Yeah. I was telling smart, telling but, Greg yeah. this, but you know, can you believe we're at the halfway mark of the season and there's been about two hundred and six players that have been on the COVID nineteen list? You know, obviously not all of them for testing positive, but a, a lot of them for testing positive. Yeah, no, um, and I guess we have to respect the Seahawks for um, having all last year with none, and what is the number still only? Yeah, just one this year, one, uh, Gerald Everett. Gerald yeah. Everett? yeah, Gerald Everett's the only one. Yeah. Hmm. I want to talk a moment about D. Eskridge. Uh, yeah. I'm wondering what his status is. Uh, I saw that he spent some time in Florida undergoing some concussion treatment, uh, and he's having visual problems and so forth. Mm-hmm. I saw that he returned to the practice facility about a week ago, but since then, I haven't heard any news about him. No, according to Pete Carroll, which you, pro- you probably missed this, but Pete Carroll did say last week that he thinks that he's going to start practicing this week and may be available okay. for the game. So that's that's encouraging. Mm-hmm. Really, when you think about it, with the bye week, I mean, it should clean up most of the injuries. I mean, everybody anticipates with him throwing the football one day after having the pin taken out that Russell Wilson's going to be able to play. Uh, Pete Carroll did say that he thinks that uh, Chris Carson may be able to practice next week. He may be able to play. And so uh, other than Marquise Blair, I mean, they are in pretty good shape injury-wise. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's encouraging, and particularly encouraging with Chris Carson, because yeah. some of the rumors that were littering around and some of my seatmates uh, at the game were telling me that they really thought that Chris Carson may not mm-hmm. return this whole season and may have had a career-ending injury. So I'm really happy to hear that uh, apparently that isn't true. So, again, wish the best for him as well, um, and wish the best for all the players around the NFL. Right, agreed. Uh, really, um, Hey, Ed, will you, Ed I, I've got to run here, but you take care yeah. of yourself. Good luck with the surgeries and everything else. Sorry to hear that you're going through a tough time. Thank you, John, um, and hello to Pat, and nice weekend to you. Okay, sounds good. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.